In this episode of the Sideline Hustle podcast, we tell you everything there is to know about preseason training camp. From structuring practices, to taking naps in between double sessions, to comparing training camp in college versus the NFL. I'm your host, Drew Lieberman, alongside co-host and former Rutgers great Gary Nova. As always, we will be joined by the guru, former Maryland head coach Ralph Friedgen, and current Don Bosco prep head football coach Mike Teal. For more information or to share your Sideline Hustle story with us, please visit thesidelinehustle.com or contact us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Sideline Hustle. My first preseason at Rutgers, you know, so you, you were the starting quarterback, Ralph yeah. was the offensive coordinator, and it was probably like day 12 of preseason. It's like, it's been 95 degrees grind. for five straight days, right? Grind. We're in the middle of the grind. This is my, really my first experience with a division one preseason. So yeah. like, I'm ready to work, but it's still more work than I ever could have expected. <laughs> like I'm literally sleeping two hours a night. Like yeah. I'm just grinding and miserable at that. Like I'm like, <laughs> we haven't played a game yet. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing like there, there's nothing not, I'm fun about no, it. No, like I'm, I'm learning a lot and, and I feel like this is awesome, but like I, there's nothing to show for it yet. Yeah. So I, and I'm just getting my all the time like if you remember I have to do all these install pictures and I'm 23 years old never yeah. really coached before and I'm drawing up the whole offense every single install is like and Ralph at times especially when he was tired wasn't the best communicator and so I'd go into his office and be like coach how did you want this play do you want it like this or like this he might get frustrated be kind of vague in his details I'd take my best guess the next day we'd show it on the board and that would be wrong from what he wanted and he'd be ripping me in front of the whole team like, hey, when are you going to figure this out, kid? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, you're, you're f***ing up the whole meeting. <laughs> and you turn around and look at me in the back and just start laughing at me. I'm like, oh, man. So he's just ripping me, right? And I can't get anything right. We're out there in practice. It's like day 12. It's hot as hell. And we're doing a screen drill. Mm-hmm. And it's a screen where, like, the back has to chip the DN and then yeah. settle outside the tackle. And I'm playing DN for the drill. And he's like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to sit behind the quarterback and point the direction I want you to go. <laughs> And so Ralph is sitting there behind you and he's just like wagging his finger in all these different directions. And I don't really know what he's trying to tell me. I'm like, what, where do you want me to go? So again, I just, I take my best guess. And like, it looked like he had his finger going outside and then back in. So I'd run out and then redirect and come back in. He'd be like, what the f- are you doing? That's not what I want. And like literally probably seven reps in a row, he would motion his finger and I did the wrong thing seven times in a row. He's like, what is wrong with you? You, to, you need to figure this out. And, and so you had gone a couple times and I failed to whatever, do what he wanted. So the whistle blows, we got like two quality reps in, that's it. And he's like, Andrew, you really could f- up a wet dream. You, you ruined the whole practice. So I'm just feeling down as possible, right? We go yeah. break the team. We go back to the locker room. We got like a half hour before we watch film. So I'm sitting there like so depressed. And I'm like, all right, I need to pick me up. So I decide I'm going to go hit up my ex-girlfriend from college. Reach out. We're talking a little bit. And on that night, I'm like, you know, I'm going to send her two Rutgers t-shirts. Like, I'm big time. I'm working at Rutgers. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to send her some gear. So I go into my locker and I take out, like, two t-shirts, put them in, like, a little manila envelope. I send it out. Uh-huh. The next three days is just, just as brutal. Getting ripped. Still not getting anything right. Still haven't figured it out. But every day I'm coming running off the practice field hoping for a text. Like, oh, I got your package. Thank you. So eventually, like three days later, I run off the field. I'm like, All right, I have a text from this girl, like three texts. And she's like, oh, thank you so much for the package. Like so thoughtful. I'm like, oh, great. Like, did you like the T-shirts? She's like, uh, yeah, but like, did you wash them before you sent them to me? Because they smelled like <laughs> I had to throw them out. <laughs> I was like, yo, yeah. you got to be kidding me. She <laughs> She's like, they smelled so bad. I had to throw them out. I could smell them through the package. Oh, man. So after all that, man, I still couldn't do anything right. Probably like they had been washed and they yeah. just like, you know how that never. Yeah, never, classic. I don't yeah. even know what kind of soap they use. Right. They, they don't, don't clean up. No soap. Everybody. <laughs> Everybody. Reach. Everybody.
going on, everybody? This is your host, Drew Lieberman. What up? This is Gary Nova, your everyday quarterback. And you are now listening to the Sideline Hustle Podcast. Here's two guys, one guy who coached in the Big Ten and one guy who played in the Big Ten, talking about their experiences. And I'm like, you did do a good job of getting rid of the football. I mean, yeah, sometimes I got rid of it to other teams. Right, 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 right. Right, from the sidelines, we gotta hustle cause we gotta eat. From the sidelines, we got some goals that we still gotta reach. So the biggest thing I was telling the coaching staff tonight is we gotta teach these young kids how to compete because their first really competition is gonna be in South Carolina on the road, Labor Day weekend in a hot, humid, hostile environment. And we have to do a great job to prepare them to be able to go down there and, and play. And that's gotta be... Uh, you know, because my next question was going to be like, what What are your goals in preseason? What's your mentality? Like, that's got to be the number one goal is just teaching these kids how to compete. Yeah, I think you look at offense, defense, special teams, and then the team, you know, in general. I think the from the team point of view, our, our main goal is to, is to learn how to compete, learn how to do your job, learn how to fight through adversity and, and practice hard and, and ultimately – learn how to hate to lose. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Mike Teal, head football coach at Don Bosco Prep, former quarterback for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights and the Seattle Seahawks. Not that losing's become accustomed to what the program is, but we we lost five games last year. It's more games than we've lost in a long time in one season. So to get that feeling of disgust, you know, when you do lose. So we, we compete every period. There's a winner and a loser. The winners win. The losers have to run. The winners don't. And we had a competition today. We did two-minute period, a two-minute drill. The offense was up 2 nothing, and we were doing best to really, it was going to be the best of three. I told the defense, if you get stopped here, we'll do another one. And they got a stop, and they made it 2-1. So we did one more, and, and we went down. The defense got an interception, made it 2-2. So we ended up doing a third or a fifth to, to break the tie. And the defense won three in a row. And I thought it was great that the defense competed. They, they fought their off to, to get back and, and ended up winning the competition and winning the period and the offense was 2-0 and had a chance to put the dagger in them and, and they didn't that's that's my concern with a bunch of young guys learning how to finish when you got a chance to finish them you have to finish them what was your mindset coming into preseason well coming into preseason you know I was just really excited first off I mean we came off a long summer summer workouts stuff like that you know really building with the team and you know you're really just excited to get the whole year started this is gary nova your everyday quarterback you know my mindset was really just you know to take control of the team mesh with the team be in my playbook shut my phone off shut every everything down and just try to be the best quarterback i can be every single day for the team because it's a grind you know there's no way to look at it you know in a joyful way it's not something that you know everybody wants to be doing you're right. up in the morning you're it's, up. A, it's a necessary evil exactly yeah. you have to do it to give yourself a chance right you know in college football you do all this stuff just to give yourself a chance, you know, on Saturday nights. Preseason always, to me, started with summer workout. This is Ralph Friedgen, former head coach at the University of Maryland. Even the year we were at Rutgers, I thought our attendance was pretty damn good there. At Maryland, I had my strength coach run it. At Rutgers, you guys kind of ran it. And I was more impressed by how you guys did it because it took some leadership. And, and I think that that's where a lot of the team relationships happen. Plus, I think... If the kids are coaching the route, even though it might be not totally correct, but they're learning. When you teach something, you have to know it. So it right. helps you learn. And the fact that, you know, I wasn't supposed to watch it, but I did. I can make those corrections. 
And just for clarification, coach, you're talking about the the seven on seven practices that right. the players would run and all that. Yeah. And you know, at Maryland, it was it was even a little bit more interesting because the last two weeks, all the colleges that were around us came over and had we had seven on seven versus them. You're talking you're talking like Division two, Division three colleges. Yeah, like we would play Georgetown. Catholic, Towson would come down. When we when they would come down, we would have two fields. So our our defense would be against our offense on one field, and then our offense against their defense on another field. So you got really twice the work, and you got work against different people. When I first came to Maryland, then we did this. We beat Towson, and my my guys were like they were so excited we beat Towson. I said you got to be kidding. <laughs> <laughs> kind of gave me an insight of where the hell we were. The goal when I got there was to win six games, and, you know, and we, we, you know, we went what eleven and two, I think, for the year. The conditioning in the summer was really important, and and the attendance and everything that kind of got everything going. Was there a training camp you remember that you felt like you had a great training camp, and it, and it translated into a great season? I think my senior year, uh, Coach Friesen had a lot to do with that. You know, we had a great spring, great summer program, and then going into training camp, you know, our senior class really, you know, gelled together, was really leading the team. The younger guys were bought into what we were doing. It was our first year in the Big Ten. It was a lot of excitement. And, um, you know, that was really my best year because, you know, Coach Friesen put a lot of stress on the quarterbacks of knowing what you're doing, put a lot of stress on being as good as you can be in practice. You know, I really think that my senior year was my best year at Rutgers, and it's not a coincidence because I had mm -hmm. a great preseason. I had a great summer. Everything that just led into that was just a snowball effect. How did Ralph, do you, you feel like, shape that for you? Like what, what effect did he have on you? Yeah. You could just see his mentality. Like, he's almost a perfectionist. He's so detailed and all that. So that really translated to me. I got to try to stay up with him. I got to try to know what he's talking about. I want to kind of be on the same page as him. And when he has such a high level, you know, for a guy like me, even in my senior year, I really didn't even know how to study film that well. Like, you know, I, I kind of had a, an idea of, you know, my little tricks that I used to do. But, you know, with him, it was like he knew everything. So, you know, that's something that I try to just like stay with him. If I threw a ball to somebody, you know, it was right in front of me, he'd be like, ah, you know, it could be better. He was just always on me, always on me. And that really pushed me to, to get the best out of me. He always used to tell you, like, hey, guys, playing for me in practice is going to be harder than playing in the games because I'm going to put so much stress and so much pressure on you that translate to better game performances. Absolutely. I think, you know, in the, in the periods that we had, it was, it was never something to make me feel comfortable. It was always, you know, pressure or it was always a look that, you know, the team might have gave once, but you know, it's a tough look or... Mm -hmm. It was just always something that made me feel uncomfortable because at, the, at that level, if you can't do, if you can't execute a, a basic play, you know, you don't have any chance, right. you know? So he made me feel uncomfortable in practice every day. So that when the game came, you know, when that certain situation popped up, you know, I've already seen it eight times. A lot, I think everybody appreciated that. You know, I mean, while it was going on, the linemen might not appreciate yeah, yeah, it. You know, they're yeah. dying, sweating, receivers, everybody yeah. dying, sweating. But, you know, when you win, you know, and that's when you look back and you say, wow, you know, I was really prepared. We saw this look 10 times and, you know, we made the adjustment. We hit the hot route. We picked up the blitz. We did this. And, you know, that's all in the preparation and practice. And that's what uh, he really instilled in us. Jafar Williams said to me after my first year, he said, Coach, I don't think there's anything we hadn't covered. And he, he said that after two days. You know what I'm saying? So the kids felt better about, you know, what we had done. I think that's always a positive when they go into the season feeling like they're pretty well prepared. Heading into preseason when you were planning everything out and then during preseason, 
how did your mindset change being a position coach to being a coordinator and being a head coach? Like, how, how is it different? It goes from the total picture to the specific side of the ball, whether it's offense, defense, or special teams down to the positional group, plan what they're going to do with each individual skill. When you're a coordinator, you're thinking of how's the whole offense or how's the whole defense or how's the whole special team. And then you're a positional coach and you get the practice plan and you can see, okay, you got 24 practices, you know, in a packet and you got that the day you report back from vacation. So now you can start saying, okay, this is what's going in. Okay, so these are the skills I have to develop or this is what I'm going to install today and and then to have what drills you're going to do you know what i'm saying you know the position coach it's it's more of the all right well we weren't great at at our our tight breaks as a receiver coach and i remember i remember when i when i was campy's ga man and he was coaching the receivers and that that was his focus it was like he would beat him and you know how he is he would beat himself up and take it personally when his players were bad at that one at one thing that day but that literally was his only focus for the next 24 hours was how do I get my guys to do better in this area the next day? It wasn't worried about the day after that or even an hour after that. It was like my only focus is is on improving, making my guys better in, in the next two hours during practice. And there was nothing thought beyond that as a position coach. Yeah, and that's that's really what the position coach's mentality should be. Because, you know, if you look at it, that that's a position coach. The, the coordinator is worried about the unit and, and where the unit is and what they need to do to get to where they need to be for whatever their timetable is. And then the head coach is responsible for, for the whole picture, the big picture. That's been, for me, the biggest adjustment is just having to handle all, the, the whole picture. You're looking a lot further out than just one day or, or two days or really even one week or two weeks. You know, It's the whole process of what camp is and where you need to get to and what you have to be. So I've made shells of practice for up to three weeks out already right now. Looking out, you know, two or three weeks to where we where we need to get to. And, you know, as a coordinator you do a little bit about a little bit of that. As a younger coach, either a position coach or a GA, um, or even a coordinator, you know, you're just kind of focused on one thing. I think back to last year I was making sure that the quarterbacks were getting coached up really hard and, and that our route on, routes on air period looked good because that's when we came together. Now I've got to make sure, you know, I, I'm still coaching the quarterbacks, so i got to make sure I'm coaching my, my butt off with the quarterbacks. Uh, but at the same time, when we get to group periods where we're either doing ball handling uh, or, or routes on air, I, I let some of the other position coaches kind of take it. And I, I go over and I make sure that defensive drills are going well and that the structure on the defensive side is going well. So there's definitely a bit more responsibility as the head coach compared to the you know, position coach or, or a coordinator. I try and think back to being at Rutgers, like what was I focused on heading into preseason? I wasn't focused on anything. I was literally, my only goal was to survive. You know what I mean? Like my, my only goal was to not get yelled at and to survive and somehow make it through the day. Yeah, it was literally a, a day-to-day struggle. It's what you feel like when you're like a freshman player and you, you don't know what the f- is going on. Your head is spinning. And you're like, let me just make it through this practice. And that's exactly how you feel as a GA. Yeah, it's like, it's the a, it's a first time effect of anything. You know, as a young player in college, I remember going through training camp, my first training camp and you know, seniors had been through it before and, you know, it wasn't really that big of a deal. I was in my room every night studying for two hours before, we, you know, I went to sleep. And that was after being in meetings till 10 o'clock. I knew that, you know, they told me that they were putting in more stuff the next day. So, and I hardly knew what went in that day. I was making sure that at least I could call the play when I got in the huddle. You know, a lot of times it didn't even work out that way. But... <laughs>
Were there like specific things you tried to do differently every year as you grew older, or would you try and be more involved as a leader? Like, how did, how did your mindset change over the years? So as a freshman, you know, I was just coming in trying to just learn. You know, I just wanted to be around the older guys. You know, I was lost half the time. You know, I felt like I was just always like behind the eight ball trying to catch up. And then as a sophomore, you know, it's the second time doing it. You feel a little better. And then your junior year, senior year, it's like a well machine. You, you have a routine already. You're going through the motions. You know what you have to do to get ready for practice. You know, you got to get your ankles safe at a certain time. You know, you got to be in the meeting. You got to have your notes ready. You got to have everything just planned out. And by the time, like I said, you're junior, senior, that stuff kind of just... It's just repetition and it's just second nature. If you had to look back, is there anything you would do differently preparing for preseason or going through preseason? I think I would maybe take care of my body a little bit better just on my own. Like they have rest and recovery days and stuff like that. And, you know, spend a little more time stretching uh, because like I said, it's a grind. So, you know, week one, everybody feels good. And then week two, you see everybody kind of slow down a little bit, you know, the wear and tear on the legs. So maybe, you know, just take care of myself a little more. You want to stay free of injury. That's the biggest thing, too. Right, right, of course. The, the, the hardest thing for me was, okay, how many times do you scrimmage to get them ready to hit and then not get them hurt? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. So I think that's one of the tougher things right now in college football because kids are bigger, stronger, faster, and I don't necessarily think they're tougher. you got to teach them how to block and tackle. So there's a fine line how much hitting you actually can do, but still teach them how to do it, you know. And I think that's that's something that you have to really kind of monitor now. Don Brown came up with a tackling drill that you just worked on your footwork, and I thought that really helped us, you know. Yeah, and no contact. Yeah, and we would do that on Fridays. Is there anything you're like, all right, to, the key to getting through preseason is is this? I mean, honestly, for me, it was napping. <laughs> as funny as that is, like... It was like we had our little break. It was maybe like an hour and a half, and me and Mike Bomonti was my roommate. And we would just get in the car, we would drive back to the dorm, and we, we would talk for like five minutes, and we would knock out. And then we'd wake up and go right back to, to the grind. But that nap was kind of just re-energized me and kept me going. And kind of just, when you take that nap in the midday, it kind of feels like another day. Right. And you attack, you know, the second half of whatever it is, meetings, walk through, practice, lift, whatever it was. You know, you just felt that much better. And that just improves your attitude, your your energy's different, you know, rather than dragging along being tired. Because it's a long day, like I said, so you got to have something, whether it's a nap or energy drink or whatever the hell right. it is to, to get you going. Yeah, that's real. Like just those 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 couple minutes to yeah. recharge in the middle of the grind. It, it's, it's funny hearing the similarities between your perspective and mine as a coach, how like me as a GA, like I was always looking for those 30 minutes I could sleep. Mm -hmm. I was exhausted at all times. I started dipping tobacco just to stay awake at night. Like I would drink seven Mountain Dews and coffees every day just to stay awake. <laughs> for us as GAs, like the, the big thing for us was to always stay ahead of schedule. So coordinators would lay out their plan for here are the plays and the formations yeah. and the motions that are going in for each practice. And they would give that to GAs like maybe two weeks before preseason. And so our goal was to, we so for each install, let's say install one, we had eight plays. I would draw up those eight plays. As you know, I'd draw them up on the computer. Here are the formations we're running out of. Here are the routes. Here's the depth. All the details of each play, I'd draw them up. We present them to the team. That's a lot of work for us. That's like our, our real grind is preparing all the visuals, all the playbook stuff for the players. We always wanted to stay ahead. So if we got everything two weeks in advance, we were doing the first two weeks of installs during that time. That way, if we're ahead of the game, we're never really panicking to get something done for the next day. The minute you fell behind as a GA, you were behind the rest of the year. Like the minute it's it's 
practice number 15 and you haven't done install 15 until the night before and you're doing it that night, you'll get it done, but you're now on a, I have to grind every night just to get my assignment done for the next day as opposed to, you know, hey, I'm working on install 11 and it's only practice six right now. And you have some time, you just feel more comfortable and more relaxed. Like it really, the minute you get behind in preseason, then, because once game week starts, as you know, there's no there's no getting ahead of the game. Because every every week is a new week, you're preparing for a new opponent. So whatever you have, do Monday, you're staying up till 4 a.m. Sunday night to do. Like once the season starts, there there is no getting ahead of the game. But you always try to stay ahead in preseason. That that was the biggest challenge for us. Yeah, and I think it's the same thing, especially for quarterbacks. I mean, when the installs are are set, you know, you have to be the first person to know what's going on. You got to... The receivers, the running backs, the line, they're going to ask you questions, and you want to be the guy to know. You want to start setting that example so when week one comes, you know you know the game plan before everybody. Because if you're stumbling with the, with the install in right. training camp, when right. week one comes, everything changes week to week pretty much. So if you're behind the eight ball in training camp, like you said, same thing with GAs. Right. When you come into week one, it's going to be like, wow, I, I just got this stuff down, and I got to learn this defense. You know right. what I'm saying? So you want to be ahead of the game and, and get everything down. Take a lot of notes. That's, that's something that helped me. We had iPads, but you know I was more of a pen and paper guy, just writing a lot of notes and just listening. You know, from my standpoint, you know, I, I kind of laid out what the practice plans were. I did all the practice plans, but I also put the installation, what we were going to do each day. I didn't want any surprises. Like, I've been on some staffs where the defense wouldn't tell you when they're going to blitz. You know, no, no, no. You know, to me, everybody knew what they were putting in that day and what the offense was putting in. I would be working on this my whole vacation. You know, when I was off, I was doing all of this. After I did the the installation, then I laid out all the practice plans for the whole 24 practices of preseason. Just laying out a a practice plan or an installation, you had to decide not only what was going to go in and when was it going to go in, but what were the situations? You had goal line, you had short yardage, you had third down, you had red zone, you had two minute, you had coming out, you had four minute offense. Then you had special situations like your kill play, your victory play, your gadget plays, you know. So in the installation, you have to say when you're going to put all that stuff in. Just for clarification, when Coach Friedgen's talking about a practice plan, he's referring to the structure of each individual practice and planning all 24 of those out for a preseason. An install plan or an installation is planning out which pieces of the offense, defense, or special teams we're introducing to the team during each practice of preseason. We might introduce our basic plays in the beginning of preseason, and then as it moves along, we'll get into special situations and special packages like goal line, red zone, third down, and all those other things we've talked about. A script refers to the plays that are run during each practice. Every play that we run during practice has been predetermined and pre-scripted so that we as coaches know exactly what we're running that day and nothing goes unaccounted for. The installation was what was going in for each practice. You follow what I'm saying? Right. In terms of in terms of plays, in terms of plays and all that. No, not, not only plays. That you got plays, you got you got formations, you got situations. You know what I'm saying? What kind of practices was it going to be? Was it going to be a full pad practice? Was it going to be an uppers practice? Was it going to be a shells practice? And then you got to take into consideration you have veteran teams. What can they handle? You know, you don't want to overload them. You know what I'm saying? And there's going to be a certain amount of that. 
the other thing you got to figure in there is when do you schedule, you know, your days? We used to have a fan day at Maryland. Okay, you got to put your scrimmages in. I used to try to figure some way late in the days, late in the two days, whether we had a, you know, maybe a pool day or we went to the movies. We did something to break the monotony. You know what I'm saying? All of that went into the installation. Once I laid it all out in the installation, then I brought the coordinators in and gave them and see that we were all agreed on everything. And they would go back and, and they would fill out what they wanted to put in for the installation. Once that was all done, then I handed out the practice plan. And they, they would get all 24 practices. And now it was their job to do the scripts. I, I wanted them to have all the scripts done before we went to camp. What I'm saying in a nutshell is, to me, the head coach has to lay it all out. He has to know what's going on. And then you have to have two coordinators that are going to be able to take your practice plan and understand what the practice plan is about, what they want to get accomplished, and then do the script. And, you know, to me, I thought the script always should be uh, and, and this is another thing I ask for their feedback on. Do we have too much in to get accomplished in the script? You know, because I always thought that two thirds of the script should be old plays and a third should be new plays. So if you get your script and the whole script is new plays, it's going to be know, a bad day of practice. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, right. So they would come back and say, I think we got too much in. So then we would readjust it. Or I might say, let's hold on this, we'll put it in on this stage. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've actually done that during practice. And so you wanted, so essentially you wanted two-thirds of your, of the script in practice to be plays that are basically review, plays that have always already been installed, and then a third a third would be brand new plays. That met the criteria for that team period or that skelly. Everything had a down and distance or a red zone or something to it. And that dictated what you were going to put in. You know, so when I did the installation, I was saying, okay, today is third down day or third, third medium day or today we're going to do red zone. So what you're installing is things you're going to use in that period. Now, the other thing I would check off is how many times we did that. You know, I try to get red zone in at least once a week. You got three weeks. That's about what you got with 24 practices. But you talk about installing things. Like, to me, in third down, I never installed all of third down. And one day it might be short yardage, and then it'd be third and medium. It'd be third and two to three, third and four to six. And we'd work on that. And then when we got more protections in and whatnot, then we'd go to seven to 10 to 11 plus. You don't want to throw all that in at one time. And you just don't have enough offense and even defense. To, to look in those situations because because the play calls are so different like just just for people who might not know like the play calls are so right. different from third and two to three to third and four to six third and seven to ten those are such different specific situations i i would have andrew i i would have these spreadsheets it would have all the personnel groups all the offensive plays all the formations all the motions all the shifts you know then it would have all the special situations so when I would do the installation, I'd be checking things off as they were going into the installation until I had everything checked off. Right. And I had it the same way with defense, too. So I was making sure the defensive side was correlating with the offensive side. And then you had to do the same thing with special teams. So this was not, you know, you weren't going to do this in one day. I mean, you had, you had to put some thought into it. I usually did it on my vacation. I'd spend you know, five or six hours a day. Coach, going back to when you were, you were installing the situations like goal line, short yardage, third down, red zone. What, what did you think the most important was? Because I remember um, at Rutgers, I had this quote actually written down. 
remember you installed Golan on the first day of contact, which I don't think is a traditional thing. And I remember you saying in a meeting, you're like, you know, it's just such a comfort knowing that our guys are going to execute on the goal line, you know, on the three yard line when it's time to score. So I want to install this on day one. Here's the, here's the reason I did that. Okay. I always did it the first day of, of scrimmage because everybody's fired up on the first day. They're dying to hit. Everyone's been you know, going three days without pads. Well, if you're in goal line, the contact is going to be in a very short area. So I thought you had less chance of getting hurt in the goal line situation. I always made it competitive. So whoever lost ran. You would do what? You'd have like seven plays, and if the offense scored four times, they won, and if the defense stopped them no, four times? I put the ball on the four-yard line, they get four downs, you know. And oh, I got you. Okay. And, and you play the situation. And normally the offense wins the first time you do that. So defense lost, so they had a run. It was really funny. The first time I did that at Maryland, my first year, it turned out it was like a Saturday, like midday. And they got to run gases. And there's about eight of them that are just jogging. They're not running. So I just said, hey, I said, man, it's a beautiful day. I got nothing to do this afternoon. But until we start running, I'm not going to start counting. <laughs> So they must have run, I don't know, they were on like 10 and I hadn't started counting yet. You know, I said, we're going to be out here all night. I said, there's a price to losing. So EJ Henderson, who was my middle linebacker, and he's kind of an introverted guy, you know, he didn't say a whole lot. All of a sudden, I saw him go up to all the guys that weren't running. I don't know what he said to him. I just, I don't know what he said to him. But the next time we ran, they were running full speed. And I said, there's a leader right there. Right, and, and that's exactly what you were looking to develop by doing that, right? Yeah, and then a lot of those guys quit that didn't want to run. It's easy to quit. I don't find out who wants to, who wants to fight. Were there times in preseason, like maybe early on, where you knew based off a couple of practices that, that you guys had a really good team? And if, if so, like what told you you guys had a good team? Going into my sophomore year, we had, like I said, we had a heavily driven senior team. Uh, we had guys who had played a lot of football. And you could just tell from day one, rarely any mistakes. Guys were flying around. Guys were focused. Guys were taking care of their bodies. Guys weren't trying to get breaks. Guys weren't trying to do the wrong things. Guys were pushing each other. And they think, like I said, all this stuff, you do all this stuff just to give you a chance to win, mm -hmm. you know, in college football. Mm -hmm. You don't, you can't predict any wins. You give you, just to give you a chance. But that year, you know, there was a feeling that everybody had that, man, we're going to be pretty good because the way we practice, the way we eat, the way we train, right. the way we sleep, everything was just, it was just falling in line. And we ended up winning the Big East Championship. You can just tell little things like that when guys are just, it's just a different type of focus, man. Because there's, I've been on teams where it's, it's not that way. You guys are looking for the easy way out. Right. Guys are trying to skip reps. Guys are trying to, you know, get out of meetings early. Guys are complaining about stuff that they shouldn't be complaining about and, you know, reflects on the play. Was there a lot of accountability from player to player on that Big East Championship team that, like, yeah. guys really held each other accountable? Absolutely. I think that, se that senior class could have been the coaching staff, honestly. Like, really? They held everybody accountable. Nobody could get away with anything. Greg Shiano, who was there, was, like, a really big guy on accountability and stuff. So that was, like, ingrained in them when, right. they, were, when they were freshmen. So when they were seniors, it was like, nobody's going to come in here and mess up what we got mm -hmm. going. Like, we already went through the grind mm -hmm. of you know, trying to get Rutgers back to where it, where it is now and, you know, winning games. So, you know, they weren't letting anybody mess up anything. Yeah. Whether you were late to something, it was handled by them. Nobody wanted to see Kasim Green. Nobody wanted to see Scott Vallone. Nobody wanted to see D.C. Jefferson because those guys just held everybody accountable. Talk to me about the difference between an NFL preseason and a, and a college preseason. The difference with NFL training camp compared to college training camp is preseason games in the NFL come up so quickly on the you have about 10 days of 
what would be considered true training camp before you start getting into preseason game prep mode. When you're in the NFL, you know, you really have about, the way it works out, you've got about two weeks to ten days of what I call training camp. I mean, because once you get into the preseason game, there's not a whole lot, you know, you're preparing for a game. It's almost like the season again. You're not going to be practicing two days and then play a game on Friday night. And even if you do, one of the practices is going to be, you know, shoulder pads, maybe shoulder pads and a helmet, maybe both practices are. You don't really game plan the first or second preseason game, but your your practice structure changes a little bit the the day after the game changes because you know you just played a game uh, mm-hmm. so really it, it's a grind for for 10 12 days and and then you're kind of on to really competing for jobs yet yes you compete for jobs in the nfl early on but you're really just getting yourself ready to go out and perform uh, in the preseason games ultimately that's how i made the team my rookie years because I went out in the first game, the first preseason game of the year in San Diego. I played the whole second half and, you know, something like 10 for 14 with 200 yards and two touchdowns. That, that's what kind of caught the coach's eyes and, and I was, you know, able to go and play well the next three games that I got to play in. And that's how you make the team in the NFL. To me, what was kind of interesting and I kind of liked it to an extent was when we went and we always practiced with somebody with Coach Ross. So, you know, one year, I think our first or second year, we would go up and we would scrimmage the Los Angeles Rams, where they would come down and scrimmage us. And then another year, we had the Arizona Cardinals came with us for um, for the whole week. So we would practice against them for the whole week, and we'd have two days with them, and then, then we'd play a preseason game that, that weekend. So you, you're kind of practicing against, you know, the guys you're going to play, you know. And I remember in my brief time with uh, Rex Ryan, he was the defensive coordinator with the uh, Arizona team, and his father, Buddy Ryan, was the coach. So we we call each other and we're trying to get ready for practices. And I said, you know, Rex, I don't need to see the 46 defense and nine on seven. Oh no, I would never do that. That that's that's ridiculous. We go to nine on seven. That's all he played, 46 <laughs> defense. So our line coach goes, hey, you know, you're a rookie. So they had this defensive tackle. He was a high draft choice named Swan, and they had him playing three technique. And our line coach, Carl Mock, said, cut that son of a <laughs> So we go out there, and we cut his Oh, it was like helmets flying. It was, it was 18 guys in the free-for-all, and Coach Ross is going nuts, and Buddy Ryan is laughing his off. And that's the last time I ever listened to Rex Ryan. But, uh, <laughs> so then they go into papers because they, they, I think they won the the, uh, the preseason game. They said we kicked their. Ass. They just went to the Super Bowl and this and that. We played them in the regular season. We beat them like forty to seven. They didn't cover one hot. We just threw hots all over them. <laughs> but I mean, he's such a loudmouth. But anyway, that's that was. So then, then we we did the same thing. We played the Houston Oilers. I went and spent a week with them. And Jeff Fisher was the coach then. The guy was just with Tennessee, and I think he's with. I don't know if he's still with the Rams or not. But he he said he would come to me and said, uh, Ralph, can we slow it down? I'm I'm down in injuries, you know. And that was fine. I mean, we actually got things done there. You know, it was they were out to work with us, where the other guys were out to you know try to beat us and, and train us again. So it's some positives and some negatives with it. But, you know, even though training camp goes for like, 
don't know, five or six weeks, maybe seven weeks. It, it, I never was as wore out as I was. You know, to me in college, you're much more wore out than what you are in, uh, in training camp. In college, you know, training camp is a grind. It's it's hard in college. It's it's a three and a half, four week deal, and even longer now because they changed it where you can't have double sessions. These rule makers, double sessions in college, they don't exist like they did when Bear Bryant was coaching. Their double session in college nowadays was. You know, the first practice is a helmets practice where, you know, special teams or some seven-on-seven and stuff like that. And then you go out and you have another practice later where, you know, it's a full padded regular practice. Right. You're not killing each other twice in a day like you used to be. Yeah, but now they changed it. So now you're stuck, you know, a week earlier in camp where you're practicing every day and, and you're, you know, basically banging every day. And, you know, probably have a walkthrough and stuff like that. But there's no, there's no time to kind of catch your breath. Going through my first training camp in the NFL and... I was like, geez, this isn't too bad. It, it's a lot more stressing mentally, and, and they're gonna they're gonna make you have to put more in the system. They're gonna have to make you learn and and do all that type of stuff. But from a physical standpoint, college camp is way harder than what NFL camp would be. Uh, you know, we got through the the first week of training camp, and the veterans like, all right, here we go, five more days. And I was like, five more days to what? They said five more days till till we break camp. Because once you get to that first preseason game, you you, ba- you break camp. You know, in the NFL, yeah. you're getting on a plane and you're going to plane wherever you play. Our first game when I was in Seattle, my rookie year, was out in, in uh, San Diego. So we got on the plane on, you know, Wednesday. We played on a Thursday. You know, for whatever reason, a lot of preseason games in the NFL are on Thursdays. So, you know, the week, you got through that first two weeks and then, or the first week and a half. And then on that Thursday, you were flying to San Diego on Wednesday to play the game. Just the grind of what college camp is. The you don't have preseason games playing Division One football. You have your your inner squad scrimmages. I think you have two scrimmages in, in in fall camp that really ultimately dictate the depth charts and dictate your playing time. Uh, hmm. Whereas in the NFL, you have four preseason games to make the team. So it's there's a little more scrutiny on the two scrimmages in college because that's where a lot of jobs are won and lost whereas yeah. in the NFL you have four opportunities to go out and compete I I got coached probably more as a quarterback in the NFL than I ever did from a from a fundamental standpoint you know they they, they definitely they'll definitely stress the details of what the position is but when it comes down to it when you get to team periods and all that it, it becomes such a situational game um, and really more so in the NFL than anything because you match every personnel. You match, you know, every situation. So the the mental part of the game in the NFL is, you know, offenses and 10 personnel, well, we've got to match it with dime. You know, offenses and 11 personnel, well, we got to match it with nickel so we can cover over number two in the slot. You know, so the, the mental part of understanding how the game really is played is that was the cool part I thought with the NFL because it, it is a mental game. You have good players all over the place, but well, well, my biggest question is why do they always match with every personnel? And you know, one one snap they didn't, and the receiver ran down the seam on a linebacker. So oh, there you go. That's why. My only advice to anybody going to pro football: you go in there and don't have any friends because every guy is out to get your job. You compete every single day and everything you do. Don't worry about being one of the boys. You'll be one of the boys if you win a position. That Rodney Harrison that's on TV and all the time—he he was like that. He's a tough. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, he he was. But he wouldn't do any of the, um, the hazing. He wouldn't sing a song. I even did a rap song. That, that, you know, I tell you, let's do this one time. They won't be bugging my ass anymore. So I put together the the song. I could always rhyme things pretty good. So I put the road to the Super Bowl by the name of my rap. I came out on the stage and I had to turn my hat sideways, you know, and they start going boom, 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 boom. They taped the damn thing and it was on TV. But you know what? They those guys didn't bother me one bit from there on out. This is when you were a rookie coach in the NFL. Yeah, they make everybody do everything, you know. Rodney didn't do anything. He wouldn't. He wouldn't get up and sing. He wouldn't do anything. So we're playing the Giants in Germany, and they went and got him in about three o'clock in the morning. Beat the hell out of him. Took him downstairs. Put him in the lobby on a chair. Taped him stark naked in the chair in the lobby of the hotel and left him there. <laughs> I said, Rami, all you had to do is sing there. And that's all we've got for episode number three of the Sideline Hustle podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and for giving us your time. The, the love and support, everyone reaching out, it's really been, been overwhelming and incredible. Make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. We're also on TuneIn Radio and on Stitcher if you happen to be listening to us there. You can also stream all the episodes through our website, thesidelinehustle.com. Coming up on the podcast now, um, next week is opening weekend in college football. So we're going to drop an episode the Friday before opening weekend, and we're going to talk about preparing for the first game and talk about, you know, what getting nervous before the game, pregame routines, how it changes when classes start after training camp, to all those little things of, you know, what a coach's mindset is going into the first game, game planning for different schemes, just everything that goes into a coach's mindset, a player's mindset of like that opening game, man, that, that can make or break our season. And. And it, it really is a big deal to start off on the right foot. And there's a lot of anxiousness, too, because you have no idea what you have. No matter how good you think your team is, you have no idea what you have until you really go through that first game. So we're going to talk about everything there is you know, involved with that. Stay up to date with the podcast and the entire Sideline Hustle team by following us on social media. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Sideline Hustle. To learn more about the podcast or to get in touch with us directly, visit thesidelinehustle.com. You can find everything you need right there. We really want to continue to hear your feedback feedback that's been the most helpful thing in this whole process guys texting us dming us on social media telling us what you liked what we could be doing better the more we hear from you guys the more we can can continue to deliver what you want to hear and really try and make this the best resource we can for for all the fans yeah so tune in next week it's going to be a great episode and uh we're looking forward to giving you some more content man tune Uh, in to the sideline hustle the sideline hustle it's good uh, check it, uh, step on the track and feel the rhythm running like a relay. Now slang a rock, but when I got the rock, I ball like PK. Open your mind to the world and the fun of things. Ain't talking about them big chains and the diamond rings. Been plotting this scheme back when I was 15. I'm talking big dreams, get up on that big screen. See, hip hop got a lot of good and bad genes. Laying on the deathbed, but I got the vaccine. Last light, gotta get my fucking cash right.